Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of All Ball Chicago. I'm your co-host, Robert Bobby Reed. But I got the legend, the MVP veteran, Chicago's favorite big fella, Marcus Liberty, your host. What's up, Marcus? What's going on, my beautiful people? Man, what a day. Uh, actually, what a night. Last <laughs> night was off the chain. I know that's what we want to talk about, man. I already know that. What? That last one-two step, man. That last <laughs> flow through the air. That last hanging to the to to you just can't, you know, come back down at all. You know that, that hang time that he had, man. <laughs> Who is he? Say his name. Say his name. M. The J. The Master. Michael Jordan. Man, that 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 uh last dance, man. The way this Phil Jackson, man. Okay, hold on. I know we got excited. All right, so y'all, we talking about the last dance, the the the, the documentaries that started last night for the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan, and and then Liv talking about a show when he met Michael, and that probably was around that damn time because <laughs> they wasn't winning. <laughs> Crazy man. It- to watch that show, man, and just to hear some of the things that they were talking about and to see how how young Michael Jordan was, he was and he didn't really know the NBA game as far as what they do off the court. You know, he thinking everybody is like college and, you know, we all hanging out and kicking, but he do not know. There were some people doing some, not think, some things that he didn't want to get involved in, man. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, wow. But you <laughs> yeah. see that. And that, you know, some people get down in certain different ways, man. They have that, you know, and, and, and it's crazy how he just, he was just talking about it like, like it wasn't nothing. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, in the hood, we call that snitching. You know? <laughs> Thank you, Thank you. Say what it is. That's why I love you, man. Say what it is. That's but, what I said. I put it on Facebook this morning. Like, hey, Michael Jordan was kind of a, like a stool pigeon there a little bit there. We call it dry snitching. You know? <laughs> don't even know you're doing it, you know. Like, <laughs> but man, that was a great. That was great, man. Just, just watch, you know, how it all. Just to see how Phil Jackson was thinking at the time, how he kept all this stuff documented, documented, and, and things that he wanted. Like he usually like write things every day to these guys before games or before practice. And he came up with the last dance. Last dance. This is our last dance. And then look what happens. ESPN picks it up and and turns it into a documentary series. I mean, he saw it, he saw it happening. He saw it all unfolding. But Jerry Cross, why, man? Why did you bring Tim Floyd in for Phil Jackson? Man, was that was that not a oh, backstabbing move or what? That was that was that hurt, man. That really hurt us, man. In, in Chicago, we want y'all to know that we forever hurt because they didn't bring our team back, man. And you know, Bob, that was very interesting when I was listening to them talk about how uh, Jerry Krause actually wanted some credit and he was never getting the credit. So I guess he wanted to make sure he gets some credit. So he wanted to make these big moves and have people talking about it. And, and I just think that's the wrong way to go about it because if you're a winning organization, everybody's going to get the credit. 
You know, they the way that they were able to capture the video of him sitting on the bus looking at Mike Newman and all of that. <laughs> like, it was just like, thank you for doing this. Like, we had no idea that they let them in and film this whole thing live. I know. <laughs> but you know what? I think a lot of people, those type of footages, but they just don't know. Like, you know, of course, people going to video the greatest, at the time, the greatest basketball player on the planet. Everybody's going to video them, and then they want to get the clips, you know, autographs and, and whatnot. You saw one reporter over in, I think, Barcelona somewhere. And like, uh, I want to interview him, but I want to get the autograph. Can I get it? They're like, no. Right. You know, so it, it, everybody was a fan of it, man. It just wasn't just, you know, regular Joes. It was people behind the cameras, people that was, you know, doing the games and talking about them. Everybody was a fan of Michael Jordan, man. And, and the things that he was doing on that court, man, I mean, he got hurt. I remember that. Remember when he got hurt, when he broke his, his foot, man, and we was all like, damn, man, the Bulls not going to be nothing now. Mike, you know, Mike is gone. You know, and to see and hear him say, I wanted to come back. I wanted to come back. And then started doing certain things. No, 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 no. You're going to jeopardize your career. We don't want to do that. So the Bulls did have his best interest in, at, when he when he was talking about that. But like, he was hungry, man. He wanted to play. Let me rewind back uh, real quick, Big Dolph. And I was telling my sons this. I said, if there's one thing that I took from Michael Jordan's move to Chicago, was the first day of practice when he said when he the first day of practice he wanted to identify who the dog was and I'm going at his ass. Yep. I mean, God, I, none of this two sound buddy buddy shaking up. You my boy taking social media. No, man. I'm finna go at you. He it like it was nothing though. He was like, you know what? I know I don't have the voice, but my game. Is going to get that attention, you know, because I know what I can do. I can bring on the court. And man, right. And he did it. I mean, even going back to when he was at North Carolina and James Worthy was talking about, I was better than him for that first two weeks. That <laughs> <laughs> I'm the man. Hey, he sure said it. He said that last for two weeks. Yeah, man. But Worthy was uh, being uh, humble about that. But I was, I was, uh, you know, because we watched that game when Michael hit the shot. But one thing I was explaining to my sons then was Georgetown still had the ball. Downtown Freddie Brown came down. Right. Worthy shot the passing lane. He thought it was his guy. He panicked. Gave it to Worthy. Worthy went down and dunked it. Right, Liv? Ain't that what happened? Yeah. <laughs> don't, they don't ever talk about that part. It was seven seconds left on the clock, man. They could have got a shot. So, so, yeah, I just thought I would. The gentleman, man, was awesome back then. Man. Yeah, that Georgetown, North Carolina game, we won that I would always remember. And then to hear Michael Jordan say, they didn't think I was going to shoot it. And all along, Dean Smith had the confidence in me and told me if it gets rotated back to you, pull it. Right. That's what confidence. So if the coach tells you that, of course you don't want to do that, man. You, you, you're waiting for that ball to come to you. Yeah. And that's what that's made what Dean Smith to me a great coach, man. Because if he would have came at me back in when I was playing, I probably would have went there, man, for sure. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that they really just they just didn't recruit Illinois. Not, I mean, in, in the state of Illinois, historically. 
Yeah, I just think that they knew, man, that most of those guys back then was going to go to DePaul or the University of Illinois, so they didn't even bother to come in. Wow. That's my opinion. I think that's what happened. Yeah, you're right. Let's talk about Scottie Pippen, though. Let's talk about Scottie Bean. <laughs> I mean, he, his humble. I mean, his humble beginnings and the way that it all started from him. For him, man, you want to dive into that, big dog? Yeah, man. How even like when he was playing high school ball, he wasn't really getting the notoriety or, or anything like that. And then he had to walk on uh, to the Central Arkansas basketball team, and they wouldn't give him a scholarship. And it just shows you what work can do. You know, he continued to work, and then somebody got hurt. Couple of people got hurt. They had a scholarship available. Scotty went to the coach and said, "Man, I'm ready." You know, and then the rest is history. I mean, you saw some of the highlights. How he was flying and dunking all over people. And and what I what I like about that is, and I don't think they do it as much as they did, you know, back then. How they looked at just college in general. It didn't matter what conference. Didn't matter what level. What league you were in. They were like, "We go and get the best player." And at the time, Scotty Pippen was the best player in that NAI uh, conference or, or league that he was like, you know what, I could get seen. And look what happened, man. He played with the greatest basketball player, could be one of the greatest basketball players of all time, Michael Jordan. And that was his sidekick, you know, for a very long time with the Bulls, man. Yeah, and that's their brothers, man. And people try to split them up, but Mike always like, no, no, no. Scotty, that's my boy. That's That's my man. You know what I'm saying? Because you got to have a tag team buddy out there that you can play off of in, this, in the game. It was let, always two. He let it be known, though, too. He's like, me and Scotty was the best backcourt, and that was my that was my best player I've ever played with. Mm -hmm. You know, he came out and said that. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's, a, it's a natural fact. And, and just to allude to something, uh, it might be a little bit off, but thinking about Scotty Pippen's humble beginnings and then thinking about Dennis Rodman, I just want to just – I know Dennis Rodman gonna have his time by next week, but just think about the schools. Dennis Rodman went to Southwest and Oklahoma State, Southeastern Oklahoma State, a D two down there. You know, it was an NAIA back then when he was there. So the NBA, they was doing a good job going out finding guys, man. You know, that goes to show you. Yeah, it it, it really do. Uh, and and then I'm gonna piggyback a little bit off that because. I think back then, Bob, they were just, you know, looking for, you know, talent. You know, it didn't have to be, you know, on that high level of, uh, of what they're looking at now, you know, because it's all about the marketing now. It's not a, it's not, it's not about, you know, can I get that best basketball player? Because you can, you can best believe that there's some kids down there right now, in this era right now that we're playing in, that can get down uh, on those uh, levels, even D2, I mean. So, but... They're not getting that opportunity for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because it's not popular or, or I, if I make that move, how people going to look at me. You know, you, sometimes you got to do what's best for your team. And that means you have to go out and get a D2 player or look at a D2 player to find that player. And I think you should do it. Yeah. No question, man. No question. I mean, uh... Uh, man. And Dennis Rotman to me. He had somebody that believed in him, and that's what pushed me. Think about that. We all had somebody, that one person, maybe as a family member, maybe as a mentor, that pushed us in the right direction because they saw something that we probably didn't even see in ourselves and pushed us. And Dennis Rodman had that. 
And, and I'm going to tell you, that's the difference in being able to get to that next level, which so let me swing back to MJ. He had his mom and his dad there. He had that stronghold and their humble beginnings, you know. Wasn't no money. You remember he was like, he wrote that letter, Ma, can you send me 20 bucks? And, you know what I'm saying? I mean, hey. <laughs> a typical college student. He wasn't looking at it like, I'm the greatest. I'm the best basketball player, man. I'm a, I'm a human being. I got, I got a mom and dad, and I need some money in my pocket. <laughs> Dude, not, by the way, <laughs> but you know what was, was what, what I saw too. What I heard and got out of that too. Remember uh, the part? I think when he said uh, they was talking about he got cut and he didn't go tell his mom or dad or anything about it. You know, mom and dad didn't come to his rescue. And say, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go talk to that coach. You know, he cut my baby. You know, it, it was. It is what it, it is. And and Mike, you got to figure this out. So, want to make a team? You got to put the work in. And what did he do? He came back the next year with a vengeance, man. And like, you know what? I'm gonna prove it to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's that's crazy. And that's 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 where we need to continue to keep our kids at. You know, we can't continue to always bail them out. And that that was a good firm foundation for him coming up. But uh, let's talk about Dean Smith and his relationship with Michael. You know, Dean Smith had never started a freshman in the history of North Carolina until Michael came. And uh, they said that Dean Smith was the only person that could stop Michael. Do you think he could have left as a freshman? But you know what, Bob, man? If you look at all the clips, even if we saw some clips of Michael uh, when he was little, he always played with energy. Mm-hmm. You know, he always moved like he, he belonged out there. Mm-hmm. And just watching him, you know, even when he got to North Carolina as a freshman, how he he looked, even though he was a freshman, but he looked like he was a senior. Right. He was carrying himself the way he was going about it. And I think that's probably what attracted Dean Smith to him because he knew he had a leader as right. a freshman. He knew he had a leader, so he could trust him. And that's why I think he put him in the starting lineup as a freshman. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because action definitely speaks louder than words. And if he's in the first one in there, he's working the hardest, he's doing the most, that got to be, you know, that deserves some uh, uh, credibility and sweat equity. I mean, it's sweat equity, but you got to give a kid a chance. Yeah, and Mike called a lot of good breaks, man, because then, not good breaks, but then he comes to Chicago, and they didn't even mention the fact that the doggone uh, Chicago Bulls didn't pick him up from the airport. Remember that? You heard that story? I mean, coming up, he's a, he, you can tell he was a country, he's a country boy. You know, <laughs> Michael Tall. Right. And he, he, went from, he came from North Carolina to a big city, Chicago. Can you imagine the weight that was going to be on his shoulders of, of that franchise? And he probably knew it, but he probably just didn't talk about it as much. It wasn't winning that many games. Right. And going to the playoffs. You know, and here it is, this young guy from North Carolina comes in and, and, and change and changed everything about Chicago. You know, oh, I'm, I'm not coming. I, he, he he came out publicly and said, You know what? My job is to bring a championship to Chicago. And, and like you say, Liv, he literally changed everything about this boy. Because when the Bulls game was on, what nobody outside. <laughs> so think about this, Rob. Think about this. So he was at North Carolina. He changed the culture there. He comes to the Bulls. He changed the culture of the Bulls. 
right? Not only the Bulls, but the league, whole NBA. I mean, Mike, was, Mike came in, man, and changed the whole NBA. If you listen to some of those, his peers, uh, uh, Sidney Moncrief, I said, like, man, I'm going to lock this rookie up, you know, because, you know, that's what I do on defense. You know, Sidney Moncrief was a hell of a defensive player. But he, says, he saw some things out there. He's like, man, oh, this kid is for real. Yeah, he sure you know? did. And Sidney Moncrief was definitely an elite defender, and he could definitely score the ball. Yes, so, sir. yeah, definitely, man. Um, and, and he never rested on his laurels. I really enjoyed this uh, this uh, documentary that they put out, man. And it's going to be very interesting to see as we get a little further down really what happened behind closed doors on uh, Phil Jackson, man. The way they, they did that for Phil Jackson was crazy. Man. If you want to keep winning, why, why break it up? You know, it's like, I didn't get that part. Why, why, why break it up? Put the egos aside, man. You got a great coach. You had a good team. Go get some more pieces, if anything, but don't break the team. It will forever go down as the biggest debacle in the history of sports. <laughs> man, Mike knew it was at their peak. Man, Tony Kukoc, man, them boys had at least another three, four years left in them, man. Mike was only 38, dude. What was he, 30, 38 when he won that last one? Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, dang, man, Scottie Pippen was still an elite defender. He was still in the top. He made it to the doggone. He almost made it to the finals, didn't he? And the Western Conference finals. But didn't he go to Houston and Portland? Yep. Right. Yep. So, I mean, he cast out in Houston. Shout out to Scottie, though, man. We love Scottie, man. I, I man, love Scottie Pippen, man. Just, just as much as Michael Jordan is one of my favorite players, Scottie Pippen was, too. I mean, you watch the way Scottie played. Scotty basically can guard one through five. Yeah. You know, if he had to. I mean, the five man would have been a little tough going back then because they were big and strong. But definitely one through four, man, he can guard. You know, that guy, he was a hell of a defensive player, man. And nobody really talks about Scotty as much with the Chicago Bulls because of, you know, Mike. But Scotty Pippen, we know in Chicago, we know what he was bringing every day because we were watching the games, going to the games. Seeing how he was sticking up people with, with, with long arms and going back down and dunking on people and setting the table up for Michael Jordan, giving him the passes because I think he led the team in assists. They said, you know, uh, Scotty Pippen. Yeah, man, and yeah, I mean, it was just a perfect storm for them. It was just perfect. They were the right size, the right athleticism. It was just right. You know, it just lined up perfectly for them, man, and they worked it out. But the key, the key turning point to that whole club was the Breakfast Club, and the people don't remember the Breakfast Club. Remember that? Talk about when him and Ron Harper and Mike them was waking up in the morning, lifting every morning. People don't even know that. I don't want to get out of way because I'm sure they're gonna talk about that. But yeah, and, and I forgot about Ron Harper. Yeah, he that was another defensive guy that they can get down, man. But yeah, we're not gonna jump all over the place. We just talk about what we saw last night. And Scotty and Michael relationship, you know, was off the charts, man. And then we go into, you know, the part that Michael Jordan said Scotty, you know, handled it the wrong way about the contract, you know, issue. But if you listen to it, man, the representation, I think. You know, of, of Scotty Pittman probably should have told him, man, that it might change. This, you know, all this stuff might change. But then on the flip side, I see how I see Scotty Pittman's point. Look here, 
I'm taking care of my mom, my dad, my brother. Man, I got I, I got to take what is given to me right now. I can't hold off because my I can't put my family on hold. So I mean, you know, you look at it, damn if you do, damn if you don't. And and I think it's just he was in one of those tough situations where he had to make a decision, and he made a decision and signed a long-term contract that wasn't making you know a whole lot of money, but he was making some money. So what? It kind of hurt him in the long run. I know when you're a young guy like that, for how much was it? $3 million or something like that? How much was it? I know the deal was like $18 million total for seven years. Seven years. So you figure $2 million a year almost. So $1.5. But after taxes, you say what? $18 million ain't no $18 That goes to $7 million. Oh, so he get a million dollars a year to play ball, but hey man, a million dollars a year—that's <laughs> a lot of money <laughs> to play basketball, right? Right. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. But back then, they wasn't really making a whole lot of money. I mean, they did give Michael Jordan that balloon uh, contract, you know, and then everybody's talking about that. Well, you had thirty-three million dollars, but before that, Michael didn't have that. So, right. You know, he put the work in, and, and David Falk was smart enough to say, you know what? He needs to be paid as the highest paid player. But David Falk was just like our guy when we talk about now. Uh, what's his name? Paul, Rich Paul? Yeah, yeah, Rich Paul. You know how he, he had that, he had the NBA by the throat, you know? Yeah. yeah David Falk had Patrick Ewing, and I, and I think he had David Robinson, too, I think. I think he had Hot Rob Williams, all them dudes, man. Yeah, Big contracts that those big guys had to always be in the top three in uh in the pay. <laughs> Do not pass go, baby. Pay up. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta. He, he was the man. I mean, David Falk was the man. He had all of the top players pretty much right then. Yeah, man. Man, but Bob, what did you think about you know when you seeing how? plays that you the highlights that we're putting out there about Mike man he had Larry Bird in the playoff dancing in the corner it was a lot of it was just a lot of highlights that I didn't know I never seen like when he was just erratically going through the paint pumping just throwing it up in the back I didn't it was a lot of stuff that I didn't see and I was like dang Mike it was just a, he just was playing with mugs dude like when he went through the legs on Larry Bird I seen that that play you know a thousand times you know Oh, nasty. <laughs> dancing on the man. He was dancing. He danced. Larry Bird didn't want nothing of it. He didn't want anything. <laughs> Mike was playing at a whole nother speed, man. It was like he jumped out of time capsule when he got to the league. Like, man, everybody here slow as hell. Excuse my language. <laughs> it needed to see him, like, in the playoffs, go golfing with Danny Ainge, and then <laughs> the next day give him 62. And we had no idea who they, they was golfing back there. No. Man. But then he, who was the coach? Kevin Lockery? Who was the coach? Yeah, I think Kevin Lockery was the coach. And for, and for him to have the presence of mind to let him green light, to, to give him the green light, that opened him up too. But you know what, Bob? He had to be seeing this in practice. You know what they said? Everybody that talked about Michael Jordan said there was no cutoff switch. He went hard like this all the time in practice and in the game. Right, you already know what, what the coach was saying. Like, I already see what this kid is. 
because he said he put him in a bunch of isolation, like ISO, ISO, go to work, go to work, and he's doing it. And they, they showed that video, Tex Winners out there, man. Tex, what are you doing, Tex? Yeah, you doing? You trying to play D.O. Mike. It was just like the perfect storm, man. The, the United Center, you know, it was sharing, sharing the arena with the Sting, uh, the Ice Capade. I remember going up in there, sitting down there, almost putting on the uniform when Ricky Sobers was there. I remember Ricky Sobers and all this Gilmore there. It was empty in that place. Yeah. So, yeah, man. That was, that was the stadium, baby. It was mad, the madhouse. Yeah, the, the, the stadium on, yeah, the madhouse on Madison. My bad. United Center just been around so long, I feel like. But, yeah, man, this was a good one, bro, right here, man. I remember going into that, that arena, man. did on the back nine <laughs> last little part practice games he was you know he was guarding mike in practice yeah so. well me we got a few minutes left three four minutes left man we got to wind it down man is there anything you want to drop on the people man based on what you seen yesterday big fella well it, it shows you that even if you're a great player you still have to put the work in and, and that's one thing i take you know i, I take from watching that video even though we knew that, but to actually see it and hear people talk about Michael Jordan, how he came from not making his high school team to being mentioned as the greatest basketball player of all time. And it, it just shows you if you put in work and you believe in yourself, no matter what someone says or do to you, you can control your own destiny. You did that. You did just that. That was real, big fella. Well, I'm your co-host, Robert Bobby Reed, on the Believe Podcast Network, All Ball Chicago. You want to advertise on our show, hit up Believe Podcast Network. Uh, inbox Marcus Liberty, if you're interested in um, having him show up for an appearance. Uh, we're looking forward to continuing this thing going. Uh, big fella, what you finna be on, man? Man, it's, it's time for me to unlace the shoe, kid. Yep, we up out of here, man. Peace, y'all. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.